Jesus says that the trailhead for the way through the sacred gap starts with an honest look at your pain. So the question again is, what are you doing with your pain? It's not a question of, do you have pain? The question is, what are you doing with it? Welcome to The Intentional Dad, the podcast for men and families on a journey to embrace and fulfill the promise of fatherhood. My name is Eric Manley, back in the studio today, and I'm back with someone that you have met before if you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, but uh, it's been a while, in fact, almost a year, Um, and you'll hear from my brother Tyler in just a moment. Um, But before uh, before I let him say hi, I do want to just take a moment and let you know where we're going now, because uh, with the first podcast of the year, we actually kind of had a had a bridge, really, in completing a series that uh, we spent most of the year on last year, um, as Pete and I asked the question and explored the idea of what story are you living And so in the first month of this year, we had one more installment in that series, and that served as a bridge from last year to this. And so with this podcast, we are starting a new series, and it's kind of picking up on something in in particular, a specific idea that we began to explore in that last series. And in asking that question, what story are you living Uh, We started by uh, working to understand the the distinction between what we called the shadow story and the true story. And the true story being the truth, the reality that you are loved, you belong, you are chosen, and you have nothing to prove. And that is the full life that Jesus offers us, the path of transformation and healing leads to that being more and more and more of the reality that we live out of and the experience of our day-to-day life. That would be the true story, but we all can relate to the truth also, (laughs) that that is not often what we experience uh, in our day-to-day lives. We experience something quite different from that. And we explored different ways that the shadow story shows up and um, took a took a, an authentic look at the realities of our lives of feeling hurried and feeling inadequate and um, confused and angry, um, those kinds of things that show up in in the shadow story. So we put those side by side. And in seeing where we are and seeing what Jesus's invitation is, then we could see the difference between the two and what I call the sacred gap. And so this series that we're getting into is an exploration of that gap because um, there's a really obvious question that comes up when you put that uh, picture in, in front of somebody. And that is, okay, I see where I'm at. I see where I'd like to go. How do you get there? Well, it turns out there is something very specific that we can explore. Um, And we are going to call that the way, which not coincidentally is exactly what the early church called themselves, practicers 
practitioners of the way. And to follow Jesus was something they understood to be um, to be a progression towards something. And so they had that terminology for themselves. And so this podcast series is one we are calling The Way Through the Sacred Gap. And we came to this, Tyler and I, as an idea for where we might go with the podcast. Um, it was kind of two parallel tracks that we had been on. And then uh, after a phone call a couple of weeks ago, uh, Tyler, I want you to tell the story because you began to share with me something that uh, really began to dawn on you. And uh, I, I just want to invite you, first of all, hi. Hi. <laughs> and secondly, welcome. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad glad to have you. And oh, by the way, before uh, before we go too much further, so you just heard Tyler's voice. Um, he is... Uh, the first kind of a guinea pig of sorts to participate in a podcast with uh, with some new technology. Well, new to me. Uh, he is actually participating on a phone call. And so I bought a little bit of equipment. It's kind of cool. It's fun for me that uh, I, I can hook up my devices and invite my brother into a conversation on the podcast with uh, with some new equipment. So um, his audio quality is probably going to sound a little bit like a phone call. I'm I'm at uh, the Intentional Dad Podcast Studio South. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. So yeah, yeah. anyway, so yeah, Tyler, I'm really excited to have you, bro. And I, I you know, we've obviously had a few discussions along the way to kind of um, flesh out, begin to explore what we might do as a podcast. And as we've been talking, um, it's just become something I, I, I'm really excited to to get into this. Um, you know, but before I, before I kind of tell the whole story, I want to invite you to, to share yours and kind of, you know, like I said, the parallel tracks, you were on one track and I want you to share, share the track that you were on. Yeah. Well, you know, Eric, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to do this with you. I think I'm excited for what this Jesus does with this. Um, uh, but yeah, my, my story with this, um, you know, I've been, uh, I'm a big fan of the Bible project yeah, and yeah. They, they, they just started this year during doing a, uh, whole exploration of the sermon on the Mount mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it, it really motivated me. And, uh, I've been doing, as I've been doing that, I've been really meditating, uh, on the sermon on the Mount and spending a lot of time, honestly, in the Beatitudes Mm -hmm. and um, uh, kind of Sunday, Sunday morning, I went for a walk and just really was meditating on what Jesus had for me there. And and something just kind of dawned on me that um, what Jesus showed us in the Beatitudes uh, is the way. Yeah. It, it, it is the way back to his kingdom. Yeah. And there is so much packed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in in those nine beatitudes that uh I mean we we could talk longer than than what we're going to be talking here. Uh really. Right. And 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 the fruit of that is still just really blossoming. 
uh, yeah, that, uh, I, I, even in our conversation. Yeah. I was going to say, I think every, every time we've had a conversation, we've had a few now just kind of getting ready for this. And I think every time we talk, we, we together just, um, I, I know, I know I walk away from our conversations like, wow, that just took me deeper. It took me, yeah. took me further. Yeah. I, you know, and, and we, we've, we've shared a lot. And so, um, for me, what I began to discover is you shared some of your observations about what this way was and the progression that you began to see that Jesus was unpacking in just a few short lines. Um, that yeah. uh, what you described started to sound very much like language for the healing journey that I had come to through a different way. And, you know, the, the different way being just my own wrestling with different parts of scripture and um, meditation and um, work to understand my own healing journey and then healing journeys of other people that I've had the privilege of kind of being on the front lines with. And just those experiences along with my understanding of other parts of scripture led me to understand a way, the way. And as you kind of shared what you were observing in the Beatitudes, and then I heard your language, it sounded like exactly the kind of language I had come to. And so we'll unpack all of that. But it was at that point, we're like, oh, man, this is so cool. We've we've kind of been taken on a journey by God and, um, you know, same Holy Spirit. And we kind of come into the come into the same place, similar places. And then and then in sharing those things, we had our conversations began to sharpen one another on some yeah. of that. Right. And so, um, so at that point we were like, okay, we got to invite some people into this. This is, this is too good. Right. And, and not only that, it dovetails with something we had introduced in the last series and something that is very much worth diving into. And so that whole concept of the sacred gap, it, you lead someone to that point, Tyler, and it's inevitable. The next question is, okay, I see the difference. And now what? <laughs> right. And um, I think that's, that's kind of the, the 30,000 foot view of where we want to go. We want to explore the now what, what it looks like to find our way through that sacred gap. And it just so happens that Jesus laid it out. There is a way, the way yeah. to go through this. Well, and, and when, when, with the, with the way that Jesus gives us yeah, for the way, uh, is actually surprising. It is. It's, it's surprising. And, uh, I believe it's different than the message. A lot of your listeners may have grown up with. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, I guess we should not be surprised when Jesus surprises us. Right. Um, because really we see it again and again and again in the stories of scripture. And then we see it play out again and again and again in, uh, the stories of, of lives around us as he works, right. Mine included the way forward always feels upside down, at least in my experience, right. There's, I don't think I've ever had an experience of being drawn deeper into apprenticeship with Jesus in which what I had to learn for the way forward always took my expectations, always took my understanding and turned it all upside down. Right. 
and it's, and it's no different here. Right. So, um, so that's kind of the 30,000 foot view of what we want to do with the series here, Tyler. Um, and you know, I also want to speak to something again that I had kind of laid the groundwork for in previous podcasts that this is a podcast called the intentional dad. Right. And so many who come to this podcast come, um, with a heart for parenthood. And so the, the parenthood discussion, um, is an important one. And the parenthood discussion is absolutely something we want to be sure to come back to. But I just, again, want to, want to remind listeners of, um, the intentional dad and, and the approach is all built on the founding principle, the foundational principle at work for understanding God's design for parenthood, which is as I father you, so you father, so you mother your children. Our life as parents is meant to flow from our lives as fathered sons and daughters. And so our discussions, the things that are on my heart to offer, the things that, um, my guests with me in the podcast studio um, have on their heart to offer always starts with that first half of the equation, which is that life of apprenticeship, the life of learning to be a fathered son and a fathered daughter. So this is no different. We are going to explore it from that angle first. And then with each podcast, we are going to work to bring that to the question of parenthood and what that looks like and how our lives as parents are integrated with this life of apprenticeship that we're talking about. So just a reminder about how this is going to flow. Our discussion is just going to begin with a look at the life of apprenticeship that Jesus invites us into. And in this particular case, we are going to look at how Jesus opens his public ministry. It's really fascinating. And we want to keep that in mind, that this is, this is in Scripture where we see Jesus for the first time step in front of a crowd and lay out a clear vision of kingdom life. And he starts by talking about a roadmap. So, Tyler, maybe, maybe we'll just start by reading what he has to say for the first time, in at least what Scripture records, his, his first public encounter. Right. Um, up to this point, what we get in scripture is the story of him beginning to gather his his followers, his disciples. Okay. We we have elements of that, but with the Beatitudes, this is Jesus stepping onto the public stage. And he opens with a zinger here. And that's what we would call the Beatitudes. And so we're going to camp on that. So, um, Tyler, I'll invite you. You go ahead and just, just uh, why don't you read um, read the Beatitudes? This is something you've really been thinking about and meditating on for a while. So um, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 5, uh, just the first, first 12, first 12 verses of, of Matthew chapter 5. Okay. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in, in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay. So, Tyler, you have been inspired to really sit with that, meditate. You've been drinking it in, and there's something that has begun to emerge for you. Tell us a little bit more about what has what has been emerging as you have been meditating on that. Yeah. Well, one, one thing to kind of set up what Jesus did here is just who he brought this to was surprising. Yeah. Uh, These were poor. Right. Unimportant. Right. um, Not really held in high regard people that gathered uh, around him for this, this particular sermon. And, uh, what he's saying to them is that you've already got one foot in the door. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Which, you know, it's not hard for me to imagine the crowd hearing what he's saying and all at once feeling like, Whoa, this is different. This is exciting. This is new and scratching their head a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, so, so I think for setting up our discussion for today, what what I realize is that the the first three beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, yeah. blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the gentle, or other translations give it like meek. Yeah, uh, I like what the Bible Project has done with their translation, where they say blessed are the unimportant. The unimportant, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really an emptying of yourself. Yeah. It's, it's an emptying of yourself, but then, then there's more, right? There's, there's, there's an entire progression. And I think, I think at this point, let me, let me inject uh, here, Tyler, what I had come to, right. And how, what you started to share with me about your observation about this progression um, started to sound really familiar with something I had come to a different way. Right. And I shared this in the last series and these were thoughts that I began to synthesize as I sought to understand, well, what is the way through the sacred gap? Right. And so what I had come up with and what I had, um, kind of worked to in my own meditation over you know, and this was something that had started months before for me. Um, I'll put on the table what I had. And then as we go on, you know, I'll share with you what I have been learning in addition to this through our conversations. Okay. But as a starting point, this is something I had shared in the last series that the progression, uh, transformation, healing happens this way, something like this, that If you don't feel, you won't confess your need. Mm 
If you don't confess your need, you can't grieve. If you don't grieve, you can't forgive. If you don't forgive, you won't heal. And if you don't heal, you can't be free. So that was a progression that I had come to, right? And what I am learning as we are having our discussions is that that captured a lot of it, but there's, there's a few things in here that have been built in that have expanded that a little bit. And so in our series, we're going to explore all of that. And so in this first one, we want to talk about the trailhead and the gate for the way, the way through the sacred gap. All right. And so we're going to take these beatitudes one at a time. All right. And I want to, I want to come back now, Tyler, I'm going to, I'm going to read from my translation. So your translation was at the NIV? NASB. NASB. Okay. So that was NASB. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty, for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. Spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty. Okay. I'm going to nerd out a little bit on you. Poverty. I, I looked up looked up that word, original Greek, and it translates fairly directly to the English language, okay? Poverty, needy, desperate. Um, you know, it brings up the, the connotation of a beggar, okay? But it's a fascinating thing to me that Jesus would marry that with the idea of spiritual poverty. And this is where I think we can really begin to dig into something and be surprised um, that what Jesus opens with, his very first words from a public platform are two people who know where they are. (laughs) Just like you said, Tyler, he's talking to people by and large who are the rejects of society. Okay. So all the young kids of Israel had some education and part of that education was they would memorize the Torah. So there was that purpose for the, for how they began their school, but it was also a purpose of beginning to identify those who could go on. Okay. And for those who it was pretty clear that this was going to be the end of the line for their education, they were basically sent home to become the common man worker, right? But the others who were invited to continue on, they got to take more and more of a progression toward the, what was seen uh, as kind of the pinnacle was to become a rabbi. And so that would have been the dream, right? That would have been like, if you could become a rabbi, then you, you were the cream of the crop of society, right? All of that as background for this crowd that Jesus is speaking to are those commoners, <laughs> those people who were told some time ago, you didn't make the cut, yep. right? That's who he's talking to, okay? So it is interesting to me that he's looking at them. He is acknowledging what they already feel about themselves, which is spiritually poor, spiritual poverty. They have no trouble accepting that 
they didn't make the cut and that they are needy. Mm-hmm. And Jesus looks at them and says, and you are already at the trailhead. Yeah. Because of that, you are at the trailhead. And this is what's really, really surprising. This is what turns things upside down. To get to a place of spiritual poverty, that means you have to come to terms with your pain. Yeah. Your pain, your desperation, your need. Correct. Yeah, it's... um, even, Even if you think about our context today. Yeah. Right? We think about, okay, how do we get ahead in something? Yeah. Whether it's sports, you work really hard, you become the best at your position, you excel at your position at school, you work really hard, you study, you get, you know, uh, you become the best at something. Correct. Right. Um, Enter a trade. You work really hard, you hone that skill, you improve it, you, Mm -hmm. you, uh, begin to excel at it and mm-hmm. that's how you gain notoriety and respect and mm-hmm. you know uh jesus is literally telling us to do the opposite to do the opposite yeah he is speaking to those who know what it is to get to the end of yourself to get to that place where your best efforts are, are not enough. Yeah. And we had, we had explored that a little bit as one of the themes, one of the uh, topics of our last podcast. And, you know, I, I put it this way, Tyler, that um, a life of apprenticeship with Jesus, lesson number one, Always, it is always the case. Lesson number one takes us on a journey of reshaping our relationship with pain. Mm-hmm. And that is the most surprising, difficult, hard to accept thing. Because what we learn with Jesus is that our instinct to get away from pain, and we'll talk about what this looks like in just a moment, but our instinct to get away from pain is strong, very strong. We are instinctive about numbing, deflecting, running, hiding, masking. Um, I, I heard, uh, so my, my daughter just was on a retreat this past weekend, and one of the speakers at this retreat had pretty profound insight said our personalities are pain management machines, Hmm. which is pretty profound thought. And if you, if you sit back and wrestle with that a minute, let the truth of that sink in. It is the human condition. We are hardwired to run from pain. Lesson number one for the way through the sacred gap is to begin to learn that pain in his hands 
is a sacred thing. Mm. And he calls to us from the middle of our pain, which means to find our way forward. The trailhead is turning toward pain. Yep. But there's more. It's not just turning toward pain. It's turning toward pain in a way that we stay in it long enough so that we begin to confess our need. Spiritual poverty. When you get to the end of yourself, all that's left is you and pretty clear understanding of your need. Yeah, I, one particular scene that I keep thinking about as it, as it relates to this, because, you know, Jesus is looking out at this crowd and this crowd is already in a blessed state Yeah, because their need is already fully on the surface. Correct. They have no means to hide it. Yep. They, they can't, they can't all of a sudden go and pretend that they're smart enough to be a rabbi or, uh, you know, important enough right. uh, to, to, to be at the top. Right. echelons of society that you know the vast majority of them don't have money uh, yeah. they're you know they're they're our equivalent day of living paycheck to paycheck right um you know and i i just keep thinking going back to this scene of when this rich young ruler comes up to jesus mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and wants to follow him and jesus said well first follow all the all the commandments you know yeah. follow he said, I've done this since I was a kid. And then mm-hmm. he gets to the heart of the issue. Yep. The the thing that's covering up this young man's pain. Yeah. That he's using to cover up his pain is his money. Yes. Yes. And Jesus just like like a laser focused yeah. cut to the point phrase says, yeah. Go sell everything you have. Yes. Yes. And and I, I think for us, what, G, what Jesus focuses on could be money. It, it could be notoriety. It could be, uh, you know, for the listeners here who want to excel at yeah. being a good father or a good mother. Right, right. Um, we actually look at the idea that, right. that I, I, could, I could listen to all kinds of podcasts and uh, learn the best parenting techniques out there. Right. Um, and I'm still not going to be enough. Still not going to be enough. Yep. You know, uh, so, I mean, I mean, you can go on and on to all kinds of different areas. The, the, the thing that Jesus would say to us mm-hmm. might be different than the person sitting next to us, but it's still the thing we're using to avoid looking at our own pain, our own desperation, our own need yeah. for him. Yeah. I guess that we're, we're kind of putting, putting on the table today, kind of the first two elements of the way Tyler. Right. And it's, it's worth talking about both of them and they're very closely connected, but there are distinctions, right? Mm-hmm. One is to awaken to pain. Okay. Yep. And realize that our relationship with pain has to change. And um, I've had different ways that I have come to understand this in my life and different ways that I share this with others just from my own experiences and my story. And one is this idea that pain is sacred. Why? Why is pain sacred? Well, 
we feel pain for a reason. Okay. And this is where we just want to take a, take a step, step back and 30,000 foot view here of the, of the big story that there's, there's a reason that scripture opens up with Eden and the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and what that was like in Eden. We, we see this, this beautiful picture, this design and um, the design really coming down to oneness with God and harmony with each other. It is out of the oneness with God that Adam and Eve experienced harmony with each other. That is the design. And that is really helpful in understanding this topic of pain because there is a reason we feel pain. And the reason is, is there's a part of all of our hearts that has never forgotten Eden. So when we feel pain, it is our heart saying, this isn't Eden. (laughs) This hurts. This is wrong. This is not how it's supposed to be. And, you know, in this life, I'm not, I'm not going to tell any listener something they don't already know. Things, things come up in our lives that remind us all the time that we're not home. We feel pain. We feel pain because we're not home. And so if we understand it that way, then we can begin to see why we might reshape our understanding of pain around the idea that it's sacred. If we see that it's doing a job, job given by God to remind us that we're not home. Now we see it as a call from home, what I call an echo of Eden. That has been very helpful for me, Tyler, in my own story. Mm in understanding pain is doing a job and it is a job that if I understand that God's heart in that is to draw me back to him, to draw me closer to home, to turn me around then, or wake me up, right? Then I'm more likely to see that as a hopeful invitation and not an enemy that I have to overcome and run from. Yeah. And, and it, with that understanding of, of pain, you know, so, sometimes it's hard to dwell on Eden, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, I <clears throat> spending a lot of time just meditating and reading the first parts of Scripture. One of the things that strikes me and that I long for so much. And, and and you said it earlier is this union with God and union mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. But that's what they got to do every day is just go for long walks with a good father. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Who 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 is teaching them and investing in them and yeah. um enjoying creation with mm-hmm. them. And right? continuing like, the creation project together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like part it really in, he partnered with, with mm-hmm. Adam and Eve mm-hmm. uh, in, in creation. Yeah. And, and you know, the, when, when we look at the pain, I, I, I um, you know, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory mm-hmm. of God, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and boy, if you really put those two pictures up against each other mm-hmm. to, to lose Eden, yeah. for me to go off and try and, live life without those daily walks with God and try and do it on my own. Mm -hmm. That's traumatic. Yep. 
that's traumatic to lose that. Yes. It's traumatic to long for that and see it not realized. Yes. And it's, it's even more traumatic to, to know that within myself, Mm -hmm. I abandoned that. Right. Right. Which, you know, one of the things that we, we really, we really work to be vigilant about Tyler and, you know, you, you and I, our own stories have (laughs) sharpened our awareness of this. We don't, you know, we have a saying in our family, we don't do shame. Right. Yeah. And, and sin in that whole concept, we, you know, you, you brought up the word and this is a good time to just recapture um, a more hopeful understanding of sin. Right. For most people hear that word and it is all but impossible to hear that word and not feel shame. And well, it's, it comes along with you, bad boy. Correct. Correct. You, you, you bad girl. Yeah. And, and just a reminder that you're not enough. Right. Right. Whereas another piece to kind of bring alongside this, you know, more, more hope in what Jesus is saying in, um, in these opening words is that your spiritual poverty, your getting to the end of yourself, your being aware of being not enough is a blessing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a gift. And how can he say that? There's, there's clearly, there's a shift in perspective that he's offering for that to be a condition that he offers as hope, that he offers as promise, that he offers as celebration and invitation. There is a huge shift that his opening words invite. And I think a really helpful shift is this idea of sin that all of us are aware of, all of us have been confronted with. But Jesus seems to be talking about this issue of sin, not in the context of judgment and condemnation, but in the context of healing. That for someone to be at the place of spiritual poverty, where they're at the end of themselves and they are confessing their need, he seems to be putting forth this premise, this idea that that is a gift because it is from that place that healing can be realized. And so does that perspective measure out with the rest of scripture? Well, when you look at the old Testament and you see the law and all of what that was, and you see God's interaction with the Hebrew people, what it comes down to is that law ultimately was given for a purpose. It was to get a people to realize their need. And that's essentially what that all amounted to, to put in front of them what righteousness actually was, to invite them to try to live up to it, and in so doing, realize they can't. Well, Jesus said all the law comes down to two things. Yeah. Love God and love your neighbor. Right. 
which is just how you describe what right. Eden was. Right, right, <laughs> right. Union with God and union with each other. Yeah, yeah. Oneness with God, harmony with each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was better said. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go with that. Let's go with that. Right, and that's the design. And the law was basically God saying, "Okay, this is your, this is your way. You wanna you wanna live up to this." Yeah. You can live up to this. We can, we can together bring Eden. We can do this restore restoration project. We can redeem things together. Right. Except God knew, God knew that in giving that the people were going to fall short. So what was the point? What was the point? Hmm. I think it boiled down to a very simple idea to get them to a place where they could see they need help to confess their need. At which point God says, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and here's Jesus on the scene, essentially saying the same thing. The law did its job. I am talking to you people. The law did its job. Here you are. You know your need and you're blessed yeah. because of it. Right. Mm. It's a beautiful picture and a very compelling one. And like you said at the beginning, totally upside down. So where my where my mind's going with that, you know, ultimately, Eric, what we did in Eden is we we sought to gain wisdom, but on our own terms, sought to do it without God. Right. And so that's the story of Scripture. It's our story, but quite honestly, it's our story of what many of us in our, the traditions that we grew up in within church, yep, right, is here's the way to wisdom. Here are the ten steps to getting mm-hmm. closer to God, mm-hmm. and it involves all the things that we can do. Correct. The emphasis is on what we do, right? What we do whether that's in a secular sense or in a religious sense, right? Right, the- and. Yeah, it, it, it's just, I love Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm just a, a bit of a rebellious person. But this is holy rebellion. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's so beautiful. It's so yeah. beautiful that we empty, we, we finally come to the place where all of our attempts to do life on our own terms. Mm-hmm. End. Yes. Yeah. Right. It it finally comes to an end. Yes. And there's, you know, I just I just know for myself in my own story, I've had to do this over and over and over again. I mm-hmm. there are different parts of my story that have needed to come to this trailhead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, different times throughout my apprenticeship with Jesus Mm -hmm. and you know like like what he did with the rich young ruler (laughs) you know sometimes he through through pain has forcibly removed something Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. my life that Mm -hmm. I was hanging on to that I didn't know that I was relying on yep uh to for identity for worth and value Mm -hmm. and uh, other times he's just invited me into it Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, and, and brought me to, to the trailhead just by, by letting me know, but, but either, either way, mm-hmm. um, I found myself at the beginning of, of this trail. Yeah. M- many, many different times over. Yeah. Um, where, where there's just an emptying, a, a desperation. Yeah. It finally like giving up. Yeah. Of trying to do it on my own anymore. The Intentional Dad is a community of men, women, and families learning and living lives of intimate apprenticeship with Jesus. Together, we are learning what it is to be fathered sons and daughters, and what it is to then offer the gift of a good father's heart, a good mother's heart, to our children, our families, and our communities. The responsibilities of parenthood are indeed a gift from God. Those responsibilities are also weighty. We want good things for our kids but the good things we want are hard to name and even harder to know how to offer and instill. Parenthood is hard, and what good men and women like you need is encouragement and hope. You are not alone. If you would like to talk more about the ways the Intentional Dad can support you and your family, you can contact us and learn more about the Intentional Dad at www.theintentionaldad.org. Thank you, and God bless. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're putting different ways of expressing that first step of feeling. Um, so, you know, getting to the end of yourself, giving up doing it on my own. Um, w- another word to put out there that um, maybe is a little bit more traditional um, and might, might cause some to have an allergic reaction uh, is this word surrender. And that's, that's really what we're talking about. Okay. And we go through, most of us have a story of just fighting in life, fighting for respect, fighting for position, fighting for uh, possession, fighting for title, fighting for many, many things. And there's there's some things that are easier to pinpoint yes than others yes you know um like you, you can think of you know distinct areas of of sin in my life yeah right right <clears throat> thing th- things that i know i'm doing that i'm cho- not choosing god <laughs> right right right, right. The, the really hard ones are are the ones that use my religious traditions. Yes. Yes. Uh, that, that look holy, look good. Yes. But actually I, you know, if you go later to the Beatitudes, I do not have a pure heart. Yeah. Um, I, I am trying to get to, get to the kingdom right by skipping this trailhead yes and that has been that has been a big part of our our conversations and and the the realization first of all in our own stories right how much how much we had to be fathered in that to get to the place where we could see that things that 
um, on the surface seemed really, really good were actually being used in a way to shield us from pain. Yeah. So um, I forget who it was that talked about this, Tyler, but uh, one of many authors that that uh, that I've read over the years talks about this idea of using God to run from God. Hmm. And yeah. <laughs> it's like at first you read that, it's like, whoa, that's a head scratcher. What's he mean? Well, it means that things that um, we would instinctively identify as good, okay, reading scripture, mm-hmm. um, going to church, participating in small groups, serving the poor, praying, those, praying, those, those things in and of themselves, you know, I think we would all agree. It's good things, right? And just because they're good things, um, doesn't mean they can't be misused. And, um, in many cases are right. And, um, those things then become an end unto themselves. And that is how they shield us from the pain that's underneath. And it's a subtle thing. It's hard to identify, particularly when you're in it. And it's, that's, that's a thorny one. That's a difficult one. And it, it lends itself to where I think we want to go with this now though, Tyler, right? If, if Jesus says that the way through the sacred gap starts with this issue of pain, I guess the first question then to, to put out there is what are you doing with your pain for some Mm -hmm. It might be tempting to answer, actually, I'm pretty good right now. I feel like I've got yeah. my life together, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's for someone else. I know there's people out there that have pain. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the addicts out there, you know, maybe it's, um, maybe it's the poor, you know? Um, so, but, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It might be tempting to to do that, right? And I think that's that's uh, that's where I would say again, Jesus says that the trailhead for the way through the sacred gap starts with an honest look at your pain. So the question again is, what are you doing with your pain? It's not a question of do you have pain. The question is, what are you doing with it? We're beyond, we're beyond the argument of whether or not you have pain. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think, uh, I think if, if there is no acknowledgement of pain, then we have not even begun to begin. Right. Um, and again, looking to our, looking to our master, um, he pokes at this very thing. There's, there's a couple of incidents where, we see him ask some really curious questions in the midst of some things happening. So one, there's, there's one, one of my favorite stories is when he goes to heal the crippled man at the pools of Bethesda, man who we learn in this story has been laying there for 38 years. Mm-hmm. And he is there because his only hope that he can see is this myth that these pools are stirred by a healing angel every once in a while. And the first 
needy person into those pools is going to find healing. It's like a cosmic lottery, right? He's there every day for 38 years because that's his only hope. So Jesus comes to this man, and the first thing he says to him is, do you want to get well? What is that about? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm laying there on that man. What kind of, what kind of question what is kind that? Of question is that, right? Can I just punch you in your holy nose right now? I mean, come on, yeah. right? <laughs> but remember, we see Jesus. This is love loving. What is that about? What is he doing? Well, for 38 years, this man is doing the same thing over and over again. And he has to be consumed by hopelessness after that much time. And in that much hopelessness, it is natural for anybody who would go through that much pain to be numb to it. So in asking the question, He's blowing up 38 years of crust and reintroducing the man to his pain. And immediately what happens is the man begins to confess his need. As soon as he does that, he begins to confess his need. It's fascinating. So we see this modeled there. Then there's another incident where Jesus is walking and a blind man catches wind that this Messiah that he's been hearing about, these murmurs in the street, this man who is healing, is walking by. And he begins to shout and holler. And the crowd start, tries to shut him up. But Jesus says, no, have him come over. <laughs> it's amazing. The first thing Jesus says to him is, what do you want me to do for you? Again, really? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see you. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you need me to spell it out, Jesus, you know, I thought it was kind of clear, but, um, but he asked that question. What is he doing? He's awakening that man to his pain. Yeah. It's what he's doing. And so if we see this, if we see that this is how Jesus operates, he does the same thing with you and me. Right. And so, this trailhead, this way through the sacred gap, this way from the shadow story to the true story. It is shocking. It is totally upside down, completely unexpected, but it starts with pain. And so we have to ask the question, what are you doing with your pain? So another thinker, uh, writer, his name is Richard Rohr. has a lot of beautiful things to offer. And he has been quoted as saying all great spirituality comes down to what we do with our pain. It is the essence of our spiritual journey, what we do with our pain and healing begins with moving toward it, becoming aware of it, naming it. And it's more than that though. We can begin to ask that question, what we're doing with our pain. And we might awaken to the fact that we have some, but there's something very specific that in Jesus's invitation, he compels us to do. And it's another word that might cause an allergic reaction (laughs) with a lot of people. It's this idea of confessing. We want to feel the pain in a way that leads us to confess our need. That is the trailhead and the gate 
for the road that's ahead, for the way that's ahead? Well, there's on, on the way to confessing, Eric, on the way to the trailhead, for us to really truly become poor in spirit. We have to let go of the things that we're using to mask our pain. And I think, Tyler, it, it, with that, um, this is where I'd, I'd like to shift a little bit now, right? So mm-hmm. the invitation of this podcast is first, hear that question. What are you doing with your pain? Mm-hmm. And in saying that, I also want to say that's a really big question. <laughs> And that can be very difficult to sit with and even know how to begin to respond, right? So I want to offer more than that. <clears throat> I, want to, I want to offer a little bit of thought, a little bit of fodder for some reflection to help take a step in the direction of feeling what needs to be felt in a way that will lead you to a confession of, a realization of, an understanding of your need. Okay, so places we might begin. Okay, so what you might be doing with your pain now. Okay, I will tell you one from my own, my own apprenticeship right now, where I am being fathered, is in the area of electronics. Okay. So I just want to just get specific for a moment and share from my own experience, my own story of this, this thing that I'm being fathered in where I find myself just without thinking about it, picking up electronics and having a screen in my face. And as I have sat with that realization, I realize that what's compelling that is some pain. I numb with that, right? So it's a window. What you might be doing with your pain in the category of numbing, whether that might be food. Food is not in and of itself a good or a bad thing, but it can certainly be used to numb. You might turn to that for comfort, okay? What are you trying to comfort? (laughs) That would be the question, right? sitting down and just mindlessly binging Netflix, right? Okay, there's nothing wrong with a good, compelling TV show, but what are you doing with it? Are you trying to numb? Are you trying to escape? Escape from what? What's the pain, right? Deflecting, okay? When you're in a situation and you feel like you have to get defensive, okay? You feel... Like you have to win an argument. Okay. You're afraid of something. What if you don't win an argument? It's pointing you to some pain. What are you afraid of? Right. Um, Minimizing would be another one, right? Ah, it wasn't that big a deal. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Ah, just, you know, cowboy up and get over it. Okay. What are you telling yourself to get over? What if it wasn't a small thing? What if it was a big deal? What are you trying to get away from? The minimizing. There's pain, right? About this idea of soldiering on. Okay. Just, yep, my life has been very hard and 
you know, what's, what's a man do? What's a woman do, but tighten the bootstraps and keep soldiering on. What are you plowing through? What have you kind of become numb to? Is the pain, right? Various windows in there. And then there's the big one. Can you see your pain in relationships? And this is where Tyler will, 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 will steer our discussion here before too long into this whole realm of parenting. Um, <laughs> cause, uh, cause those, those are huge, huge windows, right? But, uh, in meaningful relationships. So take a step and invite listeners to do this. Just imagine for a moment that you are in a place where you could go to a loved one, a close one, and invite them to be brutally honest about what they experience in their relationship with you. And I am sure you would hear good things. And if they could be brutally honest, I'm going to guess you would hear some less than savory things. I'm thinking that most of us instinctively know that in our hearts, there's those less pleasant things about how people experience us. What does that reveal about pain? So, you know, with your wife, what might she say? And then if you could go to your kids, what might they say? That's a tougher one. (laughs) And that might be a window into some pain that you're running from, that you're hiding from. Yeah. I, I just think of one, like, like we were talking about um, before that uh, present passions are windows into past wounds. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm present passions are windows into past wounds and um you know the the story that you mentioned around food that's been well i i jesus had an invitation for me on that one Mm -hmm. this 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 isn't uh well yeah he he had a really great meaningful journey for me on that and he Mm -hmm. started to point out to me he said tyler you're you look for food more than you look for me. Mm. And, you know, there's all kinds of parts of my story that play into that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, gr- growing up, I mean, we, we weren't poor, but we didn't have a lot of mm-hmm. money. And one, one luxury that we got every now and then is, you know, we would, we would go out to eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I just love that. I loved, um, you know, I, I ended up learning to really love the, the, like the tasty food that we would get mm-hmm. when we got mm-hmm. to eat. And I, um, there's something that just started to strike a chord in my heart as a kid that like I would look to life through food. Mm-hmm. And um, really, Jesus took me to the beginning of the trailhead. Yep. Yep. With that. Yep. Right. And, and I, I'd be honest with you, I stayed at that trailhead for, for a long time. I knew it was an issue. I knew that I, I looked to food more than I looked to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and it would it would show itself. Right? Like I would start to notice things. I would start to, you know, uh, if I was going to be in a certain area uh, for the day, I'd be like, hey, I can get lunch at mm-hmm. this restaurant, mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. And I would, would honestly just kind of start to plan my day around what I would have for lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, my military days didn't help with that. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. If you've been in the military, you go through basic training. Like that's what gets you through basic training. Yes. Meals, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It is so true. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, slowly but surely, Jesus kept inviting. Yeah. Uh, into that, he he invited me into fasting. He invited me. Uh, into walking with him yeah and and food choices and um uh he, he like i would i would be craving like a certain meal or something like that yeah. or a certain food yeah and sometimes he would say you know what just don't eat anything right now but other times he would say actually why why don't you go enjoy some carrots mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah um, you know so the he would, he would, he, he was so gracious and kind in, in that part of my journey. Um, uh, but slowly but surely I was able to begin the process of letting go of my need to be full, my need to be satisfied by a good meal yeah. in order to be okay. But, but boy, it was a lot of undoing. Yeah. A lot, a lot of undoing Yeah, for that. And so it was in awakening to the fact that the food was a source of comfort for you. Your journey began with waking up to what was underneath that, seeing what was underneath that, right? Um, So first of all, you became aware that there was something, um, something going on with the food. And so you began to turn and look, look at that more closely. And then you began to ask the next question. Okay. I'm finding comfort in this food. What am I trying to comfort? Mm-hmm. And there you go. You found yourself at the trailhead because you began to look at your pain. And yeah. then the next step in that then was, and I have something here. I need help. I need yeah. healing. I need growth. I need Jesus in this, right? So you didn't just feel, you felt in a way and you kept following that thread. You kept listening to that echo and moving, moving toward the pain in a way that ultimately brought you to an understanding of your need. And that it was then that you began to move forward into healing, which there's more of the way, right? So you open the gate at that point and a journey began. The- yeah, and, and, and I'm thinking, you know, for, for your listeners, um, maybe that seems like a really safe example. Right. Food. Right. Because it's so honestly culturally acceptable. Right. To, to overeat or go after a good meal. You right. Know, like, like a lot of people may say, wow, you know, that's, that's, um, has nothing to do with what I'm struggling with. Like if you start to have an idea of your own pain and uh, I I just got, got to say like, that's just one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you you know, and, 
how I relate to my wife. Yes. Anger. Yes. That wells up inside of me towards, you know, in how I relate to my wife, sometimes how I relate to my kids. Yes. Um, you know, uh, things that many men struggle with when it comes to just attractive women yep. and lust and, yep. you know, all of the, the things that are, are a common thread to a lot of our stories. Um, you know, I know, uh, those, those are all been invitations at the beginning of the trailhead. Correct. Yeah. Uh, with, with Jesus. And, you know, I think with a lot of these things, what's, what's honestly been frustrating to me is that all of the quote unquote prescriptions that have been given to me, uh, very rarely has it been an emptying of myself. Mm hmm. Right, like the 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 prescriptions that either the church or my tradition have given me is you need to be more disciplined. You mm -hmm. need to mm -hmm. do more so that you can do this less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah my my daughter has a way of describing that mentality, which is the message you're not faithing hard enough. Yeah. 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 Oh boy, I must not have faithed hard enough uh, for a lot of my journey because, be, because, because honestly, I mean, not, none of that stuff works. Right. It, it just doesn't work. And right. in the end, when it when it comes to the healing, yeah, that Jesus offers us, yeah, I can't, I can't receive that. Yeah. I'm still trying to hold on to my salvation in any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Self-rescue, any form of self-rescue self -rescue. is going to, it's going to scuttle. You, you, you're going to, you cannot find the way through self-rescue. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so the traditions that I grew up in church in is read the Bible more, pray more, mm -hmm. um, you know, go to church more, uh, you know, go, go to this men's retreat, go to, Go to that small group, mm -hmm. you know, uh, do, do community here. And <clears throat> it's, I found myself being very frustrated mm -hmm. because I would try, I would try. Yeah. Um, and, and none of that would take me to a place of my desperate need right? for Jesus. It was, it was, it was wholly inadequate. Yeah. Yeah. And so what a relief it was when you, and I know this from my own story, I'm going to echo this. Both of us have known the relief and the peace of getting to the end of yourself, mm -hmm. getting to the place where I can't do this anymore. What a holy, holy, blessed relief that is <laughs> right i can't do yeah. this anymore i need help i need to be yeah. met in this and there, there's something there's something that happens in that moment and i'll tell you from you know this is this is again my own story that what i've come to understand 
as a way to describe that relief. The vulnerability of that moment puts me in a place where finally I can be seen, I can be heard, I can be known, and I can be understood. Mm-hmm. And to put myself through that vulnerability, through that surrender in that place where I am in utter spiritual poverty before God. It is there in the confession of that need that I am introduced maybe for the first time to his true heart toward me, which has always been there. But because I've been so caught up in self-rescue, I was shielded from it, couldn't see it, couldn't experience it, didn't understand it. And it was only through the breaking down, the undoing of me that got me to that point of total uninhibited confession of my need that I began to experience God's true heart toward me and to have the utter relief of those deep heart cries. Every human being comes into this world with a deep desire to be seen, heard, known, and understood. And it was only in the getting to the end of myself that I actually began to experience the true depth of that for the first time. Yeah. Right. And so this yeah, is, and, and, oh, go and ahead. I just want to say, I just kind of, kind of what, what you said that the, the phrase that Ellie said, you know, you're not facing hard enough. Yeah. I, I do. I don't, I want to speak to that because if your tradition and your spiritual disciplines aren't leading you to a place of spiritual poverty. Yeah. Might be time to reevaluate either that discipline or the meaning of that discipline and right. tradition. Yeah. Because so, sometimes they don't lead us to that place. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, I, I would say, I'd say a lot of times for, for me, they didn't, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it actually, a lot of these things didn't fall into place for me until I got the desperation. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> I, I tried for many years to be good enough mm-hmm. for God. Yep. Which is a common story. Very common. Yeah. Uh, my story too. Exactly. And, and that's such a good one to, to look at. Tyler, because, you know, we talk about what we're doing with our pain. This is actually a really sinister one right here, because it, who would argue (laughs) about reading your Bible? Who would argue about going to church? Who would argue about sharing in prayer with someone or praying, right? And who would argue that doing those things and having that be an integrated part of your life is a bad thing. That's a hard argument to make because the things in and of themselves, well, most would say they're good, right? But where it gets thorny, where it gets missed is when we forget to stay deeply rooted in the why of those things. So you know, I, I have a very sensitive radar <laughs> around the discussions in Christian circles in particular about what we do, 
right? And when those things come up, I, um, I feel very, very compelled now to say, hold on, time out, pause. Let's not talk about what until we've really, really been deeply grounded in, come back to, worked hard to connect with the why. Because if we're not clear on the why, it is almost inevitable that the what will lose its potency, lose its meaning, and in fact, can actually start to work against us. And I have known many people who have said what you've said, Tyler. I spent years trying to do the right thing. And not only did it not help in closing the gap, in traversing the sacred gap, um, my experience with those stories in my own and in seeing it in other people is actually makes it worse. Right. It actually drives the wedge deeper because it feels like we're doing the right things. It feels like, well, God's probably pretty proud of me for doing these things and keeping up with the Mm -hmm. regimen, right? It feels like my community also seems to be pretty, pretty pleased with, how well I'm keeping up with these things, right? Or I'm around people who are keeping up really well with it and and they're kind of elevated as these are the people we should be trying to live like. Well, I'm going to try harder to get to that level, right? And it all becomes about the thing itself, right? right. And the the practice, the discipline, the tradition becomes an end unto itself, which becomes the most important thing that we shape our lives around, which means hard to hear, but it's the truth. You have an idol Mm. and it's not going to love you back. It's not going to love you back. So it, it actually cuts us off from the way it works against us. So the issue is not the thing, (laughs) right? Same thing with the food that you talked about, right? The issue is not the food. Um, for me, you know, where I'm being fathered right now and, and invited to grow in a, in a specific um, area for me with the electronics, right? The, the issue is not the phone itself. The, the issue is always what's going on underneath. What's at the heart? What's the real issue? And our why for any of these things that we might do to, to try to find the trailhead always has to be about what Jesus offers in that, which is healing, a restoration of the design, oneness with God that overflows into harmony with each other. That's the why. We keep that in mind. Now we can begin to find our way again. And these good things deeply rooted in the why now become life-giving, right? So reading scripture, participating in community, praying, fasting, all of those things, they become yeah. life-giving because we're deeply rooted in the why. And it, it's, it's all about this pain, just like, just like that quote from Richard Rohr, all great spirituality comes down to what we do with our pain. So back to the question at hand in this podcast, what are you doing with your pain? The trailhead, finding your way to the trailhead means you begin to pay attention to your inner world, 
you begin to tune in, you begin to understand and explore, you begin to shape your community (laughs) around this. We need each other for these things. Um, You begin to look at your story differently to identify pain. So, you know, we talked about in the context of relationships, well, how that, how might that be a window into your pain? Okay. And we're going to talk about parenting in a little bit, but Tyler, we, you know, we talked about the example that we've had as dads where we lose it with our kids, get really angry with them. Right. Okay. That's what's on the surface. Okay. And it's, it's a meaningful, very important relationship in your life. Your, 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 your life with your kids and you lose your patience. You get angry and you blow up at them. Okay, there's that. But what's that revealing about your pain? Dig deeper. Are you understanding the pain that's at work underneath that? Guess what? That's your trailhead. Okay? And then it's not just in those relationships and how people experience you. It's what have you experienced in key relationships in your life? what the world, not the world, what your, your family life, for example, is often a huge window into our pain. And most people, I think, would readily acknowledge, Tyler, that um, the, the family of origin that we all have has a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty significant impact on the person we are today, right? And there's at least that level of awareness. People who, most people wouldn't argue you say, yep, my family had a pretty big impact on me. And that's about where it stops for a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. Yep, had a pretty big impact. And it remains completely unexplored, completely in the abstract, right? Part of the way to the trailhead is a willingness to start looking back at your story, your relationship with your dad, your mom, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents. Um, relationships at school school friendships right those kinds of things they're all huge windows okay and this is this is stuff that happens to us that is a window into our pain right Mm -hmm. and then there's just kind of a you know one other concept that we um that we explored in the last series is this idea of divine rebellion right And divine rebellion comes from this idea that we live in a world that conspires against our attending to our inner world. It conspires against a connection with what's going on in our hearts and hearing those echoes of Eden, right? And we we live in a world that tells us our value and our worth is found in what we do, what we have, and what other people say about us. And this achievement thing that we were talking about a little bit before, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so those are windows into pain. What pressures are we feeling from a nameless, faceless world? What kind of expectations are we trying to live up to? Because this is what a good father does. This is what a good husband does. Um, What expectations are we carrying on our shoulders in terms of um, our, our work responsibilities, right? What does that reveal about pain? These are all windows, right? And and so, you know, we're kind of, opening the fire hose here. Um, 
But the theme here again and again and again and again is pointing back to that question. What are you doing with your pain? Because this is the trailhead. Well, the, the pain has to come to the surface. Right. It has to become the biggest thing that you feel. Yes. In that moment. And that's where, you know, the question of what you're doing with your pain, and you just gave a lot of really great things as far as insight. Some other things um, that have been really meaningful for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this journey to get to the beginning of the trailhead mm-hmm. has been spiritual disciplines of abstinence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So yep. it, it, it really is. So once you start to realize, okay, I, I, I am fearful of what my kids would say about me. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I am fearful of, who I am if I'm not doing something. Okay. Mm-hmm. These are just examples, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. W- what Jesus would literally have us do in those situations is to face it. Yep. Right. If, if I'm comfortable being alone by, by myself, well, the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude would be really good to press into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with jesus not on your own but with jesus yep again right? the, the why coming back to the why right? yeah yeah yep. uh if if i do notice that i'm uncomfortable without my phone in my hand mm-hmm. is is to actually start to carve out time without it mm-hmm. force myself to not do anything with it for a time with <laughs> Jesus. And again, the why doing that with Jesus is how that pain comes to the surface, right? right? We begin to name what's at work that I am uncomfortable in those stretches without my phone, right? What's right. going on, right. right? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes the pain is, is layered, right? That there's, there's just kind of an addictive process at work, right? right. But what is it that is so compelling about the relief I feel? In, in picking up that phone, right? Yeah, and 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 my food journey at the beginning of that trailhead, right. fasting from food, right, for for periods of time with Jesus, right. was incredibly meaningful for orienting myself to right. the pain, right? And you know, I I love uh, you know I listen to a lot of Dallas Willard mm-hmm. stuff and I read a lot of his books and. Uh, spiritual disciplines can be as creative as the person putting them together. Right. Right. Like we think of spiritual disciplines as um, uh, reading your Bible, praying. Yeah. The, you know, the, the um, usual, the huge. Right? Yeah. 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 Jur- jur- journaling if, uh, if you're a little bit artsy about it. Yeah. Right. And so. <laughs> I guess that'd be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anything you step into, uh, uh, like th- th- there's this whole realm. I, you know, I didn't grow up learning a whole lot about a spiritual discipline right. of, of, of abstinence. Now, may, maybe you're in a different tradition and and you have, but the meaning behind those mm-hmm. to, to to bring that pain to the surface so it's tangible and 
then Jesus can do something with that. Yeah. And so let's, let's move this discussion then to an area that um, many of our listeners are here for in the first place. <laughs> All right. And that's in this realm of parenting. We've, we've dabbled in it a little bit in our discussion here, but this, this issue of parenting is a huge window into our pain. Tyler, you know, one thing that you said in some of our phone conversations as we were getting ready for this was just this observation you have that kids have a way (laughs) of dancing all over our most tender spots. They just have a way of doing it. And they don't even have to try. Um, you know, maybe, maybe some language that, uh, that, um, that captures that they, they push your buttons, right? Yeah. They push your buttons. They have a way of doing that. And so that is obviously a huge window and that's in the realm of this relationship thing that we were talking about is, you know, how are people close to you, experiencing you? How are your kids experiencing you as a father? How are your kids experiencing you as a mother? That's a window. And then pay attention to that relationship. What happens in you when you're trying to get out the door and your seven-year-old is not cooperating? Oh man, I got a, I have a six year old and a three year old. Getting out the door is is a dream I've had to give up on a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you feel pain in that, right? Oh you, yeah, you get impatience. Yeah, you yep. you get agitated, right? And you know, again, uh, just this is a fight I always want to keep at the at the front of all of these discussions. We don't do shame. There is there is no shame in in bringing this up. The fact that you feel agitated, the fact that you feel impatient and irritated, of course you do. You have some place you're trying to be, you're trying to get there on time, whatever you know. And you have kids that just aren't cooperating, and that creates a no win situation. And you you feel you feel the pain of that. You're at the edge of your limitations. And kids push us there all the time, right? And then you pile on top of that the the pressures and the stresses of pain you're feeling from work, of pain you're feeling from um, on very old ongoing family stories and interactions with brothers and sisters and dads and moms and, you know, who knows what else, right? And then you layer on top of that a kid who isn't cooperating when it's time to get out the door. That, that's the thing. It pushes you over the top. And if we allow it to be, it's a window. Mm-hmm. It's something to look into. Just just a way to, to look at kind of the invitation that our kids give us. You know, you're, Eric, you were talking about uh, getting the kids out the door. Yeah. I, th- I think for me, you know, I, I was, for, for the longest time in our household, I was the youngest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One, one of the curses of the youngest, I... You, you, you might be uh, the most protected by the parents, but uh, as, as, as the youngest, um, you also miss out. You always feel like you're missing out yeah. on, yeah. on something because the older brothers 
you know, we, we grew up in a household, uh, three brothers. We ended up having a, a younger brother uh, much later on, but for the longest time, it's three brothers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you always felt like you were missing out. You guys got to go to the amusement park. I wasn't able to ride the ride, yeah. you know, because I wasn't tall enough. Right. Or, you know, so, right. so always just this, this missing out. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that story would show itself in other parts of, you know, like, like maybe I, I couldn't go out with my friends on a, mm. on a day. And so like missing out felt like a really big deal. And so it mm. was really important to me. Mm-hmm uh to to always be a part of the action whatever it was and yeah. so uh i do remember one time we were having trouble getting out the door we were going to get together with friends yeah. uh se- several several of our friends were going to be there and i was impatient with my kids because i had a fear of missing out mm-hmm. 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 right and and so asking that why question. So we all have different reasons for wanting to get out the door. Right. Right. Maybe right. it's not to be late. So your reputation. Uh, right. Uh, you don't want to have a reputation of being late. Why? Yeah. Right. For for me, why? Why is it a bad thing if I miss out on something? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, but you have to dig those two, three layers deeper. Yeah not just about my kids and they're right not paying attention or not caring yeah. or you know uh it, it comes down to why did i just lose it on them right Be- because we're having trouble getting out the door yeah you know yeah um so that it's it's just a it's it's a way that they just do they, they just have this way yeah of getting us to the edge of our limitations. They really you know? do. And, yep. and, and, it, and it's a great opportunity to have that pain brought to the surface if we let it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that kind of reminds me of some other, some other things we might put out there as, you know, as parents, right. Things that can be windows. Okay. So, um, what your kids do in school. Mm. Is there something at work there where you feel something about how well they do academically? Mm. Right. Is there something at work there? You feel something about how well they do athletically. Yeah. You feel something about what college they might go to after they graduate high school. You feel maybe, something about maybe, the potential career that they might choose, right? Yeah. Maybe even start thinking of worst case scenarios. Like my kid totally misbehaving in the church foyer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Why is it? Why is it such a such a fearful thing for you that your kids might misbehave? Yeah. Right. What's going on there? These are windows. Okay. Now look again, don't do shame as parents. Yes. We want our kids to learn things like good behavior. We want them to learn manners. We want to learn things like that. And their kids, they're not always going to do that. So what happens in you when they're having some of their weaker moments, what's going on with that? Those are, those are all windows that this parenting journey can open up. 
if, if we let them. And if it wasn't compelling enough for you to see your own need in this, let me offer one more drop of rocket fuel. Let me ask you, what are you doing with your kid's pain? Is what you have to offer in that regard is going to be directly correlated to what you're doing with your pain. As I father you, so you father your children, so you mother your children. As a parent, what you have to offer is a reflection of where you are on your healing journey. And so this parenting issue then maybe becomes uh, a huge incentive. And it's, it's, that whole, it's a whole deal of digging in, digging in, making space for exploring and understanding your inner world, asking the next question. You see what's happening on the surface, what's underneath it. And as you learn to do that for yourself, you also learn to do that for your kids. And if you're not doing that for yourself, I guarantee you're not doing it for your kids. Mm -hmm. And so you want to ask how they're experiencing you. If you have not started to take this journey, I'll tell you how they're experiencing you. What they are learning from you is that their behavior is what matters most. That's what they're learning in some way, shape or form. If you want more than that, the way forward is this journey into your own heart. As I father you, so you father your children. As I father you, so you mother your children. So what are you doing with your pain? What are you doing with your kid's pain? So I think I'll finish with this. Um, as, we, as we wrap this up in this question of what you're doing with your pain, I want to share with you, I'm going to share with you a quote. His, his name is Tyler Staten. And he wrote a book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And in that book, he had this, this quote that I'm going to share this first. The desperate need of our time is not for successful Christians, popular Christians, or winsome Christians. It's for deep Christians. And the only way to become a deep Christian is through the inner excavation called confession. The pathway of spiritual maturity is a descent, not an ascent. A maturing community is a confessing community, not a church without sin, but a church without secrets. And in the context of this podcast today, podcast in which we're talking about the way through the sacred gap, this spiritual maturity, this journey of healing and transformation, and then in the context of a podcast called The Intentional Dad with listeners who are here, many, most likely, because we share this deep appreciation for an understanding of the sacred nature of the calling of parenthood. Well, let me, let me offer this to you as a way of tying this to the shared passion that we have. So I reworded his quote and said, the desperate need for you and your family is not for a successful man or woman a cool dad, a productive mom, or a well-respected family of well-behaved, active, high-achieving kids. It's for deep fathers, rooted mothers, 
And the only way to become a deeply rooted man or woman is through the inner excavation called confession. The pathway to spiritual maturity is a descent, not an ascent. A maturing family is a confessing family. And it is you, Dad. It is you, Mom, who will determine whether or not your family will be that. Not a parent without sin, but a parent without secrets. Friends, thanks for listening. We have so much more to explore. We have just looked at the very first words that Jesus offers in this thing we're calling the way. And man, have we had a lot to unpack and we could go on way more, <laughs> but that's enough for now. You agree, Tyler? You think, think we've covered enough ground? Yeah. <laughs> yep. But we have Part so... Three, four, five, and six. <laughs> <laughs> but we have so much more to talk about because we have, like I said, we have just taken our first step. We're at the, we're at the trailhead and our hand has pushed the gate open. And that's as far as we've gotten. There is so much more to explore. Because this way through the sacred gap, friends, it is difficult and it is worth it. And you're here because you have, most likely, you're here with that shared passion for parenthood and your understanding of the sacred nature of that. And, and this discussion is so relevant to those concerns, to that heart. And it's why we want to share this with you and, and dig in deep and dig in deep on both sides of the equation of God's design for parenthood. The first half of that being learning life as a fathered son and as a fathered daughter. And from that, offering to your kids the love of the kingdom, the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're exploring. That's what we have begun today. And it is a series of the way through the sacred gap. And I just thank you for taking this first step with us, for journeying. And I invite you into the long journey ahead. But for now, may God bless you and your family very richly.